Hello. Hi. How's it going? Oh, good. How are you? Good. Welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast. Today on the table, we have the Element electrolyte supplements. We carry them at the gym. Mm -hmm. uh, very popular. And we're coming up on the like super hot and sweaty time of the year. So uh, definitely need to make sure you're managing your electrolyte intake, sodium being the big one, but also potassium and magnesium. We love um, Element, the company, the product. Uh, very low sugar. They're tasty. Yeah. We have grapefruit back in stock. Best time of the year. Yeah. When they released the, the summer grapefruit. It was a limited edition flavor last year, and we hoarded a bunch of it. Yeah. And then we ended up, because we had it available for sale on our website, like shipping it, you know, all across the states and stuff, because people figured out that we had some and no one else did. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, have stocked up on the grapefruit again. Yeah. Makes... Uh, Obviously great, like electrolyte replenishment, but uh, also makes a tasty margarita. Mm -hmm. And then lately I've been adding the mango chili element to a batch of guacamole. A little salty, a little sweet in there. <laughs> Super tasty. So it's good. highly recommend. So today we're going to, we're going to reflect. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a little journey back in time. We're going to reflect on like lessons learned from doing this for 14 years yeah we're like the dinosaurs in the crossfit world <laughs> yeah. been around forever yeah we were we were in there like fairly early on not like total first round but uh bria was within the first 1000 affiliates yep worldwide uh we affiliated we started our gym in 2008 so yeah 14 years into this thing that's crazy. So what are the, some of the first things that come to mind, like lessons learned, uh, which is code for like mistakes we've made? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I remember way back in the day, like we started out as like a personal training studio, as we talked about before. And so a lot of our equipment a long time ago was based on that. We had the like crossover cable machine and we had a bunch of metal plates and that was fine for what we were originally doing. And then when we started doing CrossFit, we had to try to kind of change up the equipment. And I remember it being very difficult a long time ago to, to find the right stuff. Mm -hmm. This is before Rogue. Yeah. This was like, I think he was around, but he was like making stuff out of his garage. You know, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't a company yet. It was like, hey, I can make you some parallettes. Or <laughs> we, I remember having to order our first pair of gymnastics rings, like from Denmark, mm -hmm. because nobody made wooden gymnastics rings anywhere. Yeah. Such a specialty piece of equipment. And we ordered one pair just hung it from our 12 foot ceiling. <laughs> Cause I think you were the only one that could do muscle ups. I'm sure. Yeah. And I remember climbing up into that attic, trying to hang those things and make them so that nobody would die. This is like in a little strip mall. Yeah. We were between a accountant and a butcher shop. Yeah. <laughs> and then cross. <laughs> Perfect you. placement. Perfect. <laughs> the accountants loved us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we started, you know, we started ordering stuff and we definitely learned some hard lessons in what we were ordering because at the time we were training, you know, our, personal training clients and it was a lot of like older people and like business people and stuff and they weren't like super hardcore or anything like that but they were just trying to be as fit as possible and so we ordered equipment based on our current clientele which would make sense but we we ordered it based on what their current abilities were not what their potential abilities were so I remember the first time we ordered uh, medicine balls we did get the Dynamax balls which were great we still have them and we still use those same ones but we ordered a bunch of sixes and eights and then like 114 for you and 120 <laughs> for me. And then we're like, oh crap, our people are getting fitter. We don't have any heavier balls. We neglected to consider that CrossFit works. Yeah. <laughs> and people get fitter. And so I remember at one point adding weight to those balls 
by putting, you know, more rubber, more sand or whatever in them. We still have some of those ones. Yeah. And it like, that was fine. But then the second time around when we opened our second location, um, we were looking around and there was way more opportunities to buy equipment. And we found these medicine balls that were like a fifth of the price of the Dynamax or, or now the Rogue balls. And we're like, well, I mean, how much of a difference can it be? And, you know, if, even if we have to replace these things every few years, like it's still way cheaper than investing. Turns out <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay for. <laughs> and these 20 and 30 pound medicine balls, you would like throw them and sand would come raining down on you and get into your <laughs> eyes. And they were all lopsided and wobbly. And they were basically just garbage. Within yeah. a, a month or two, the seams were starting to rip open. And we're like, oh, okay. So that was a waste. So don't cheap out on equipment. <laughs> yes. Buy the good stuff. So there are certain companies that make really good stuff. Rogue being probably mm -hmm. the peak, right? And we've learned they absolutely stand behind their products and they're worth the investment. So if you're going to buy yourself a barbell or a set of plates or a medicine ball or whatever, it's worth investing in the good stuff. Yeah. So people often ask us, like, as affiliate owners, do we get a discount at Rogue? No. No. <laughs> no. They don't, they don't do anything. But to be fair, they are, like, great at customer service. They are. One time we had uh, one of the 35-pound Bella Bars break at where the, the handle part goes into the collar. And so we emailed Rogue and we're like, hey, you know, like this happened. And they were like, oh, they were like, how many of those do you own? And I don't know, we had eight or something. They're like, we're sending you eight new ones. And yeah. we were like, what? But only one of them is broken. And they replaced all of them. Yeah. And what it was is they used to outsource the women's bars and then in-house they made the men's bars. But then they got to a certain point where they like, they put a pretty much lifetime guarantee on their bars. And yeah. so they just wanted to just wash you know like yeah. brand new so we got like a whole bunch of brand new bars and those bars were like four or five years old probably yeah so we yeah like, super incredible yeah so from customer service perspective rogue for life yeah love Agreed. rogue yeah yeah definitely worth investing in good equipment especially the stuff that you're going to use all of the time yeah so and then the other thing with equipment too is like you don't need a ton of stuff to start mm -hmm. you know like when we first started operating we only had like a little bit of stuff and we just made it work based on our class sizes. Cause we would have one class with a couple of people and then another class with eight people. And we would just sort of make it work with our space. Yeah. You just buy more stuff as you grow. Yeah. It's not that you need to invest $150,000 and have no members, you know, like wait until you have members before you start buying the stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember our, uh, our first pull-up rig. I remember that mm -hmm. this was before rogue was making, you know, pull-up rigs. And I had this idea that, I was like, well, we have such a small space. I'm like, what if we can incorporate like squat stands into our pull-up rig? And so I had this welder make this thing. And then Rogue soon after came out with this idea and made it way better than I did, <laughs> for sure. You but basically like, conceptualized the monster rig. Yeah. The monster rig. But they did a much better uh, version of it. I should have patented at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember like hiring this local welder guy and everything was a little off center and the holes didn't quite line up perfectly. Like the guy smoked too much weed. Yeah. Nothing was very square. Yeah. Or anything, yeah. And now it's sitting in our backyard still. <laughs> yeah. Still there. <laughs> still unused. I remember um, we would have people come in because we were like in the strip mall and kind of a main road mm -hmm. and we had a like a billboard thing out front that said crossfit and people would come in they'd be like what's crossfit yeah or we'd have people come in thinking it was like hot yoga or something we did a couple of groupons at different points and yeah so back in the day when like no one had heard of crossfit it was still this very like niche thing yeah and we would have to try to explain what crossfit was and then we learned pretty quickly 
that doing any advertising was pointless because yeah. there's nothing you can put on a billboard or a, like a radio ad or a print ad or anything that's going to explain what CrossFit is when people yeah. had no concept. I think people now like kind of forget what the world of fitness was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Like before CrossFit came up with this idea of training at high intensity, mixed modality stuff, like putting, you know, gymnastics and weightlifting and conditioning together, unheard of. Um, and then like group training, we kind of take for granted now there's so many different business models that have like adopted slash, you know, co-opted slash stolen the CrossFit idea of training in groups, right? There's lots of, lots of imitators out there. Uh, but yeah, back in the day, it was like, you had to explain like, okay, you're going to like work really hard and you're going to like do a lot of different things and you know, you're going to feel like you're dying, but like also you're going to love it. And people would be like, what? So, <laughs> and even still to this day, we don't do any advertising. No, None. we've we've never really had any success. And like you said, it's just cause like, how do you convey what we do in, mm-hmm. a, in a billboard or yep. a 30 second radio clip or, or whatever. So we've tried a few things and never really had a lot of, um, mm-hmm. you know, success with it. Um, the one thing that has worked very well is we, we call it our bring a friend day or our free yeah. trial day. And you know, a buddy comes in with one of our members and we let them try an actual workout and, you know, we've had lots of different versions of how we did bring a friend days. Mm-hmm. I remember having a bring a friend class and it would get to the point where like 40 people would show up <laughs> because it was only like once in a while and there was one class and they were like, okay, we need to now switch that to a bring a friend day and yeah. that way we can spread it out throughout the day. And then, yeah, we've played around with all kinds of different programming and stuff. We mm-hmm. generally try to keep it like pretty straightforward stuff so that we can quickly teach new people what to do. Yeah. Um, but still get a good taste of the type of stuff we're, we're offering. So they can experience the coaching, the community, the the feeling of working at high intensity, but not too much Yeah. versus just allowing people to hop into any old class. Yeah. I, I consider our members to be our, our like billboards because yeah. they're the best examples of why they like it. If they talk about it to their friends and family, their successes, their fitness, their health, their mm-hmm. transformations, if they started maybe not very fit and healthy so that, even it's reflected in the way our pricing works now is like, I, I want people to show up. We're on the same side. Like I want people to be successful. It's good for both of us. If you say you train at Brio, you should be getting fitter. (laughs) You know, that's like how that works versus kind of the old school gym business model is like, get as many people to sign up as you can and hope that none of them show up. (laughs) You're like, that's the opposite of what we're after that our, our pricing structure now for new members um, rewards them showing up consistently. They get money back if they come in a certain number of times in their first month and their first four months. And, yeah. Cause we're on, we're on the same side. Yeah. It's funny with traditional health clubs, they have so many members that have signed up that if they were all to show up, they wouldn't have a room for it. Yeah. <laughs> but their goal is to like get you to sign up for like a three year contract or whatever and mm-hmm. forget about it and continue to pay even though you never show up. Yeah. And that's the opposite of what we want. And we, that interaction is a little more faceless, right? Cause yeah. you're just a member of like some corporation. Whereas a CrossFit gym is like, we get to know everybody. It's face to face. It's person to person. For that reason, we learned we don't do contracts anymore Yeah, uh, because we suck at enforcing them. <laughs> We're too nice. <laughs> We've done contracts in the past. And yeah, you, you just get to be friends with people or yeah. whatever. And like, you know, they, they sign up for whatever, a year or something, and then they get pregnant or they have to move or whatever happens. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's cool. Like, don't yeah. worry about it. It's all Where good. Where they were on a discounted rate because they agreed to pay for 12 months, but yeah. now they want to, they can't after six months. And you're like, uh, yeah. like that's kind of wasn't the deal, but so we just took that out of it. Our memberships are super straightforward now. Yeah. Saves us the hassle of, and plus like, I don't want to lock someone into something they don't want to do. Yeah. Right. If you 
don't, if it's not for you anymore, whatever happens, like I'm not interested in sending that to collections. Yeah. That's <laughs> such an awkward thing to do. Like yeah. Having to contact another company to harass people. Yeah. So another lesson we learned. Yeah. Don't bother with contracts. I mean, you can, if you don't mind harassing people and like chasing them down. But for us, that just wasn't who we wanted to be. I'm in a, a round table group of other affiliate owners and we meet every couple of weeks for a little zoom call. So it's people from across Canada and the U S and actually we have a few uh, new people in our group from Europe. And one of the consensus things between all of us that have been doing this a long time is like, yeah, we don't do contracts. Yeah. <laughs> it was like pretty universal of all the people that have been at this a while. It's like, you know, you're going to get to know people personally. Yeah. You're not going to and business that way. And even just the way you like your classes run, like you want to have the right people in the classes. You, mm-hmm. you don't want somebody to be there that doesn't want to be there. So forcing them to keep coming when, you know, it's clearly not a good fit, then yeah. it's just bad for everybody. Yeah. And then we've learned that like the space, the way the space is set up is really going to influence the way that people interact with each other. Yeah. So because the community is such a strong thing with CrossFit, you need to set up your physical space to encourage interaction and community and everything. Yeah. We are famous for rearranging the gym, like, I don't know, 87 times. At least once a year. Like, what got us reflecting on this topic is June 1st of this year was the 10-year anniversary of us moving into the current building that we're in. So we've been there for a decade now. Uh, It's 4,000 square feet, so it's, like, medium size as far as CrossFit gyms go. It's not huge. And so we've, over the years, rearranged things 11 billion times. Yeah. <laughs> we started out in about 1500 square feet mm-hmm. and that included like three or 400 square feet of bathrooms. Yeah. So we were really in a small space and we had to rearrange every, every day we rearranged something because we just had to make room for the barbells or make room for the rowers or whatever. And I remember moving into that bigger space being like, this is more space than we'll ever need. And it's so huge. And then now we're like, ah, oh, shit, like we need more space. <laughs> um, but I remember when we first started, we had this gray, flooring Mm -hmm. and we brought it with us to our new space and we hadn't received the rest of the flooring to fill the rest of the space. So we just had this big gray square in the middle of the gym. And it was funny because people would come in and they would set up on that gray square. And so there'd be like <laughs> they would be super close nine to each other. Or 10 people crammed into this one little square <laughs> and then a bunch of like bare floor all the way around the square when nobody was using it. And we're like, okay, guys, spread, like, out. spread out. It's okay. You can be on the concrete. It's fine. And then as soon as we had we had black flooring around mm-hmm. the gray square. People would start to like, you know, section themselves off um, more appropriately. But mm-hmm. even walkways, like we would have a gray floor square that was kind of like a walkway in towards the gym and people would like walk right up and down that square and never mm-hmm. go off to the sides. And it's amazing how you don't even think about it. You just sort of like follow the direction, you know? Yeah. We're like ants following each other in a straight line. And then, you know, you fast forward to COVID times and the t- a tape line on the floor all of a sudden yeah. made everybody like, don't let your barbell cross my line. You it's, stay in your square. It's like an electric fence. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we moved into that building June 1st, 2012. Within like about a year or two, we were like, we went from being like, oh my God, this is so much space to like, holy shit, we could use more space. Yeah. 2014 we bought the building that became brio west so it was on the total opposite side of the city um that space was cool it was the old roller rink if anybody is old enough to remember saints roller rink um so it was like nice big open space and it had been a a globo gym and they had put a an indoor track so Mm -hmm. kind of up on this elevated mezzanine that had a hundred meter track that had turf on it so that was super fun we could do all kinds of cool like running and sleds and prowlers all year round yeah the building was 17,000 square feet. So at, at the time it was the biggest CrossFit gym in Canada. Yeah. 
is four times as big as our yeah, space. Like it's times. massive. Huge. And great for like, we did competitions. We hosted a competition called Smash Fest for a few years. The holiday workouts, like the stat holiday Mondays and stuff where everybody would come and train at once. The open was great. The open. Yeah. Like, so those big event days was like so fun. Yeah. We had a, the playground was inside. Kids could come and play. They'd rip around on the track while the parents worked out. Um, but then kind of the day to day, like if you had a class of like eight or 10 people, which is normal in that giant warehouse felt weird, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you'd be like 30 feet away from the next person. And, and then in terms of the space controlling the way people interact, it wasn't as good for building community because yeah. people were just too spread out. They were too far apart to like chat and get to know each other yeah. and kind of have that, um, like just, I don't know, banter that helps people become friends. Yeah. So we then rearranged that space to kind of almost close off the CrossFit area um, to keep people closer together, actually. Yep. Yeah, it was an interesting, you know, experiment, I guess. Yeah. Um, I feel like in a space like that, if you can have multiple things going on at the same time, that's great. Mm-hmm. But we, we, you know, we've always just loved CrossFit and that's always what we've wanted to do. And like yeah. classes has been our, our main jam and we've always tried to keep the coach to athlete ratio low. So, you know, if you're not doing a 50 person class, 16 or 17,000 square feet just feels weird. Mm-hmm. We, in all the ways we've rearranged the gym, I would consider us like weird little psychologists conducting experiments and then observing the results of how people interact. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are our lab rats. Yeah. Thanks for being our lab rats. (laughs) We kind of figure it out. And then also there's just like the functional needs of various times we've had, you know, the weightlifting team trained at Brio and then we had kids programs and then, you know, just like different needs and then COVID happened and like things evolve over the year. So, um, I think one of the things we learned from, um, having Brio West was like bigger's not better. Yeah. Um, from like trying to grow the business bigger and then physically the space yeah. bigger. There's, there's that whole Dunbar's number, right? Yeah. 150 people is sort of the maximum amount of people you can really have a relationship with. Yeah. Uh, you can know lots of people by name, but any, anybody above 150, it's really hard to keep a good relationship going. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's plenty of CrossFit gyms out there that have hundreds and hundreds of members, um, and they're they're just set up differently than we've always been. It's always been like you and I were kind of like we know everybody and yeah. we are, we have a relationship with everybody. And we've discovered over the years that keeping our membership number in and around the 150 to 200 range is just a good fit for us. You mm-hmm. know, we can we can have a relationship with everybody. We know them. Um, we know where they're at, and they know us as well. Mm-hmm. And anytime we've ever gotten know above that or started splitting ourselves up between multiple locations you just start to lose part of that yeah you lose a little magic of the yep. community i think so we learned <laughs> it it all came to a head after we had dash in 2016 yeah. and then we were like oh my god okay so <laughs> like you know the gyms were on opposite ends of the city we were always in different locations and then we threw this baby into the mix and we were like oh something's got to give here like yeah. if we're ever going to see each other or see our kids <laughs> or have five minutes to work out something had to go so then we we sold Rio West, um, later that's the same year that Dash was born. Yeah. And took a little bit off our plate. And yeah. I was like, you know, that, that was hard for me. I had a really hard time closing and selling that yeah. building. Um, but in the end, you know, it's it's the decision you have to make for like for sure. Mental and physical and family health and all that kind of stuff. But and those of you that weren't around, just to give you an idea of how intense we were living, um, we were hosting a competition, the, the <laughs> final Smash Fest. Um, basically two weeks before Jocelyn was due. Um, so she was super pregnant 
and we're at the competition and we're doing the thing. And we had this like emergency backup plan that if something was to happen, Bonnie and Ian would take over and we would just like rush to the hospital. And then that was it the Friday, maybe all of a sudden Jocelyn's feet start swelling up and she starts getting really puffy and things are kind of weird. And we're like, "Mm, maybe we should get this looked at. And so we go to the, the hospital and they're like, we want to admit you. And we're like, oh. It was actually because my blood pressure right. was so high. It was, it was your blood pressure. like approaching 200 over 120, which yeah. is like preeclampsia. Like you're going to stroke out basically. Yeah. So they admitted me to the hospital. <laughs> this was, yeah, like it was. I was over, I stayed overnight in the hospital one of the nights. Yeah. And then it may be like Thursday. It doesn't matter specifically. I was in the hospital. I had a scheduled C-section for after the yeah. competition. And I was dying to not be pregnant anymore. I just wanted that baby out of me. So I was kind of like, uh, like, is anybody going to take this baby out of me like today? Because if not, like, I got shit to do this weekend. <laughs> and they were like, oh, no, like, probably not till like Monday. And so I was just like, okay, cool. And then I just like took my backpack and just left. Yeah. I just walked. <laughs> I just walked past the desk and just like, peace See out. Bye. And so we do the competition. And I had. <laughs> so we're doing the final event in the Besboro Gardens. And I fully remember Matt Hogan, bless his heart, monitoring me through that whole thing because he was keeping an eye on my blood pressure and like watching me and monitoring, making sure I was drinking fluids because it was hot. It was July. And I went from the Besboro Gardens directly back to the hospital. I didn't even go home. And then... And then pulled the baby out. And then I took the baby out. (laughs) So then, you know, sometimes you look back on things, you're like, "Mm, that was maybe not the smartest. (laughs) Way to handle life, but I'm like a FOMO person. Like I can't, yeah. I just like can't say no to anything and was unwilling to like admit defeat or like, you know, admit yeah. that I couldn't do something just because I was pregnant. And anyway, he's fine. He's fine. It's all good. <laughs> he's all right. I'm all right. And then it worked an- out. Another, I didn't have a stroke. Another funny story was that like that happened pretty close to when the CrossFit Games were going on and we had a, a master's athlete that had qualified for the CrossFit Games and we had a like a what a week old baby like not yeah not even and we were trying to figure out a potential way that we could make it down to the CrossFit <laughs> Games to go and support our athlete and like our baby doesn't have a passport and it's like a <laughs> brand new board and eventually we're like okay I think we're just insane for even thinking about this right now like let's maybe just simmer let's just I chill. remember that as you having to talk me off the ledge being yeah. like Zoss you can't you literally just had major surgery you have a brand new baby we're not going to the crossfit game it's like yeah anyway so we've learned a few things about priorities and everything so now Um, we found some balance and things are good we found some balance and now by design our goal is to not actually really let the membership number go above much above 200 yeah that's uh by design because we've committed to like small class sizes we, you know, COVID gave us the opportunity to try the, the sort of station setup and seemed to be pretty universal. Everybody liked it. I like it. Yep. Athletes liked it. So that's going to stay. I like that low coach to athlete ratio. Um, and we like that, like you said, the Dunbar's number, meaningful connections with, you know, a smaller number of people not trying to grow to like four or 500 members or anything. Yep. It just gets to be too chaotic and it loses the quality and the magic to For it. Sure. So, yeah. Everything reflects that the way our gym is set up the way our pricing structure works, the number of new members that we take in any given month. Yeah. All of that reflects trying to keep that nice tight knit community with a higher quality. Yeah. And I think that over the years, the main thing you need to figure out to help with all of that is like, what are your real values? You mm. know, like, what do you want to be all about? What, what's important to you? Um, Cause we've learned that you can't be all things to all people. Yeah. So deciding, you know, this is what we're going to be about. And then, you know, in like holding the line, basically, like yeah. really making sure that you're, you're being true to that. 
So that's the three posters on our wall. We yeah. came up with our guiding principles, be excellent to each other. I believe this was like our first or second podcast we did was like on mm -hmm. the three principles of Brio. Be excellent to each other, the Bill and Ted principle. Mm -hmm. So that's like our community thing. So that in all directions, you know, we're looking for ways to make each other's lives better. Coach to athlete, athlete to coach, athletes to athletes. The make good choices, that's our longevity principle. We train in a way that we're making choices for the long term mm -hmm. so that, you know, we train smart, we preserve our long term health, you know, we eat well, we sleep well, um, all those kinds of things. So we can all be doing CrossFit, you know, well into our 90s. Yep. And then the leave no doubt thing, that's our integrity so that you move, you know, you leave no doubt that every rep was a good rep, that you worked as hard as you could, that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So community, longevity, integrity. Mm -hmm. And then, if we just kind of have those guiding principles, so not rules, but just principles, then it makes it easy to make the decisions day to day. So I would say we've come to view ourselves as like caretakers of the community. Right. We've been like entrusted in keeping this thing going. And so then as the caretakers of the community, what that means sometimes is it's our job to like um, take care of the community by pulling out some bad apples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember at some point, um, I did an interview with the CrossFit Journal and they the the topic of the article was, you know, what were some milestones in your business where you knew or you felt like you you had made it, right. you know? And my answer was the first time that I that I got to ask an athlete to leave to take yeah. their business elsewhere. And that to me felt like, oh, okay, I'm not the business was stable enough, it wasn't desperate enough for that one person's one membership fee every month. They were being a real jerk. Mm -hmm. They were violating our principles of not being excellent to each other. They were not making good choices, not listening to the coach, that yeah. kind of thing. And got to have that conversation to say, you should take your fitness elsewhere. And we've trained a lot of people over the years. Mm -hmm. And it's only happens like, I don't know, four, maybe five times where yeah. we've had to be like, okay, this just isn't a good fit. And it's never about like, oh, I don't like this person or whatever. This it's just it's more about they're not into what we're into mm -hmm. and having them around is going to have a negative impact on the community. Yeah. They're not following, they're not into the principles or, you know, we had one guy who just wanted to like come in and just be able to train on his own and do his own thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're like, no, that's not what we do. Like <laughs> that's the complete opposite of what we do. Yeah. I fully remember that conversation. It sticks out in my head where he was clearly struggling in a workout. And of course the coach goes over there and tries to help or scale on the fly or, you know, help him get. And he was very rude to the coach mm -hmm. and uh, finally kind of snapped and said, isn't there a place for someone that just wants to come in and, you know, work out on their own. And we were like, no, <laughs> not here, <laughs> not here, not at all. It's actually the opposite of what we're doing. Yeah. Like you are paying to have a coach that cares about your well being, And we're yeah. going to help you get, this is a community thing. Coach led community driven. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's fine. There's plenty of other places where you can just go and do your own thing where no one will bug you, but let's not put a square peg in a round hole, yeah. you know? And then we were like, this is not a good fit. You're looking for something else. It's not what we do. That's fine. You one, know? one of the other people that we ended up asking to leave there, many things happened, but I remember we were doing a running workout and the run involved a run kind of like around our building, you know, there's no like other way to go, but around the building and he was struggling and, you know, far behind a lot of other people. He was still very new. And he, instead of like acknowledging that he just had some work to do and some improvements to make in his fitness, he told me that he thought everybody else was cheating the run. <laughs> and I was like, how? Like there's nowhere else to run. Like it's literally a loop around the building. Like yeah. how are people climbing fences? Like what's going on? <laughs> and he's like, I'm pretty sure they were just like, you know, cheating on the run. And I was like, you're going to accuse every other person in the class of cheating 
instead of just being like, okay, I've got some work to do. Yeah. And then many other things happened with him. And eventually we were like, okay, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think this is a good fit. Yeah. So each to their own, you know, we want people to find what they're looking for and us included in that, mm-hmm. you know, we want to have a good group of people that we're all doing the thing together and we're all supporting each other. And, yeah. you know, that's a, sometimes that's a difficult conversation to have with people. Yeah. And I think that over the years we've been super lucky. Now our community is like awesome. One of my favorite things after, you know, reflecting on 14 years of business is the wall, the yeah. thousand wad club, 1500, 2000 wad club. You look at all those names. Um, my favorite, you know, fun fact about Brio is that over 50% of our members have completed more than 500 workouts with us. We've started calling ourselves home of the committed. Yeah. There's, I believe 68 names on the wall with that have done more than a thousand workouts with us. And you think about that, like, what does it take for people to, to develop that habit, to be so consistent, to take care of themselves, yeah. that people become very invested in the community and each other. Our goal is to have the members bonded to each other mm-hmm. and like not to you and me specifically so yeah. that it's, it's this community thing. We keep using that word over and over. It's not this like leaders and followers. It's that we're all invested in this thing. And I think that really, um, became very apparent during the first COVID shutdown. We had more, we had multiple, many members messaging us to be like, Hey, I'm okay. If you need me to, I will pay double. Like I'll cover someone else's membership. If someone else is struggling right now or lost their job or whatever, we had honestly dozens of those messages and hardly anybody that needed to actually cancel their membership. And, uh, you know, we had people (laughs) basically being like, when this is over, that gym better fucking be open again, because, you know, people were like not about to let us go out of business. So the amount of like support that we felt aggressively (laughs) from some people was like, it was very heartwarming to the point that like people were just trying to e-transfer us money to make sure we were okay. And I was Mm -hmm. just like declining, 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 being like, we're good. A lot of other people are struggling right now. Donate that money to the food bank or like, you know, somewhere else. I appreciate that people were so committed to making sure that this thing made it through COVID. Yeah. Um, and then when we did get to reopen and the province would have all kinds of like rules and guidelines that we had to follow, we'd be like, sorry guys, but you're going to have to wear this mask and you got to do this and that. And they're like, we don't care. We yeah. don't care. Cause we want to be back in with people. Yeah. Like, we'll do whatever we need to do. Just don't make me work out in my basement again. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that was great. And now we have this like really awesome group of people that are invested in what's going on. And then we just view ourselves as like the custodians of that. We, it's just our job to like, take care of it and nurture it and make sure it continues. Yeah. And then part of that is like managing it appropriately financially yeah. as a business, right? The whole thing doesn't happen if we can't pay the rent and keep the lights on mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. So that was when COVID happened and we said like, guys, we've, we've done a good job of managing this business. Like financially we're okay to weather a few weird months. And, mm-hmm. and then we did really just get lucky that we live in Saskatchewan. And yeah. We were able to continue operating. I know a lot of other, most other affiliate owners were not, so lucky. Yeah. They were shut down like multiple times Ugh, over and over, yeah. like, you know, big chunks, like 20 months out of 30, like just yeah, nightmare a- situation. So I, yeah. coming from Alberta, I would have never thought so glad to be living in Saskatchewan. <laughs> here I am loving it. <laughs> I never said I was so grateful to live in Saskatchewan that many times as I have in the yeah. last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. And back to the community, like supporting each other. It's so great. Cause you see in classes, people that tend to work out at the same times together, they'll be like, are you coming tomorrow? Yeah, cool. All right. See you there. And it's like, they're holding each other accountable. And these are people that are like strangers outside of the gym, right? They, they didn't know each other ahead of time. They just built that relationship within the gym. And now they're holding each other accountable to show up and do the work. And you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's such a great thing to have. 
Yeah. And I we've think, had people make friends to the point they like go on vacation together yeah. and they like hang out outside the gym. Like yeah. Yeah, it becomes a real like social hub. And you know, we'll, this is part of like mental health stuff as well, where it's so hard to build relationships and have those sort of bonds outside of like when you're done school, like where do you, you meet people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's such a great role to fill is like we're fostering the building of relationships and helping each other with their like, you know, mm-hmm. social bonding, I guess. Something that's well known in like psychology and like organizational management is that people bond in situations of struggle and when yeah. they feel vulnerable. For sure. So if you ever have to do like a stupid corporate team building thing, <laughs> I came from that world. I hate that stuff. <laughs> but it's always like, I remember when I used to work for this investment firm, one of our like icebreaker things was they partnered you up with like four people from different departments and we had to do like an air band <laughs> and perform in front of everybody else. Yeah, you see why I hate that shit. Oh but God. it was like, they're trying to create these artificial conditions where you feel stupid and yeah kind of embarrassed and vulnerable, but then you're just kind of like, all right guys, well, we're all going to feel stupid and embarrassed together. So now we're friends, you know, it's like, it it does, it works. And you know, same thing in like military training situations where they're vulnerable and they have to rely on each other. And then CrossFit is kind of like that because man, we're all going to take turns. Some days I'm going to be the fastest. Some days I'm going to be the freaking worst and the last place to finish. So that's part of kind of your contribution to the tribe is like you show up on the days when you're not good at this stuff yeah. and you take your, you take your lumps being the last one to finish and yeah. you know, and then people get, I think we've sort of talked about this before the like sensitivity to social loafing is like, well, if you only show up on the days we're just going to do stuff you're really good at, then people are like, mm. or worse if you start to cheat and mm-hmm. cut reps and short range of motion and that kind of thing, then people get really upset about that kind of stuff. Even Absolutely. though it doesn't personally affect any of us, yeah. it really bothers people. I know. When you have a cheater in the group. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Yeah, we try to shut that down as much as we can. One of the things we had to do with my corporate stuff when I was in the restaurant was they called it being present with somebody and you had to stand facing somebody and your noses were about an inch apart <laughs> and you just had to stare into each other's eyes oh in God. silence for like, like minutes, like it was a long, <laughs> uncomfortable time. It was obviously pre-COVID. <laughs> well, yes. It's the opposite of social distancing. So I'm just standing there staring at somebody. You're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to like whatever. You're just supposed to like be awkwardly close to another human. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> that's so weird. I would much rather just do thrusters and a yeah. salt bike with you guys. That sounds way For better. For sure. That's yeah. way better. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> um, I would say one of the things that's kept us engaged in doing this all these years is mm-hmm. just that I would consider a strength of ours is that we're always willing to try new things. Yeah. And so that's what keeps it interesting for us too, is like we're continually tinkering and experimenting. You know, everybody knows you love a project. You've always yeah. got something on the go at the gym, but even just like different ways of doing warm ups, different ways of programming, different types of equipment and experimenting with different weightlifting programs and just like all kinds of stuff. So continuously trying to improve, right. Which means you've got to try things. I would also consider us good at abandoning what's not working for sure. So we're definitely not those people to be like, well, this is just the way it's always been done. So it's just the way we're going to do it. Yeah. We're always tinkering with stuff. Yeah. And like, you need to find the things that you're into Mm -hmm. that make you passionate about the job. And then you also need to figure out what your athletes are into. We've always said that year to year, our gym is different, Mm -hmm. right? We've had years where so many of our athletes are into like trying to get to regionals and doing the open and being like doing competitions and stuff. And then, you know, people have been around for five years or longer and they start to be like, man, I don't really care about that anymore. And so like your dynamic changes and even with the same members, often year to year, people are into 
more things or less things or whatever. So we've always been open to try new things and experiment and, you know, help people with, with those things, mm-hmm. but we never get, you know, too far away from our principles. It's always like, yeah. how do we make these work within our, our guiding principles? I think one thing that you said in there that I would like to pull out and highlight is I, I think something I really had to wrap my head around in the first few years was accepting that year to year, it's always going to be different mm. and not like holding on to some expectation that things are going to be the same from year to year and just letting go of yeah. that expectation of consistency and that it's always going to change and evolve and grow. And, yeah. you know, the sports side of CrossFit has changed tons of different ways. Like you said, the um, sort of general vibe of the community and what they're into and various phases that people go through in their lives of maybe, you know, younger, more competitive. And then we'll go through a boom of like lots of babies and yeah. then we're into more family oriented stuff and just like, you know, letting go of trying to cling to it being something from the past. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, things happen in other people's lives. Like sometimes your favorite members, not that we have favorites, we love you all. <laughs> <laughs> Some people that like, you know, they're just such a huge part of your community, like get a job and move somewhere else or yeah. they finish school and they're not no longer around. And there's always those sort of like changes where people just aren't there anymore. Yeah. But then there's also the like the changes in what those people that are still around are looking to do that year. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. This year we did a, a CrossFit competition, Jocelyn and I and Bonnie and Ian came out of retirement <laughs> to do a, a competition just for funsies. And I was terrified going into it because I hadn't done a competition in, I don't know, how long was it? Well, I mean, at least all of COVID and then before that. So it's been at least a couple of years. I'm pretty sure it was but... like since before Dash was born. Oh yeah. Like I haven't done one personally. You might have, but I, have, yeah. I hadn't in forever. So it was like six years. I'm, like, I'm too old for this shit. But then we went and did it and we just had fun. We didn't take it too seriously and- it was great, you know. Yeah, we yeah we did have a good time, and we placed fourth. I was very proud of yeah. us, and uh, yeah. We and with with the age handicapped, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> second, <laughs> first place in our hearts. That's right. Uh, yeah, that was just it's a fun thing to do. So who knows year to year what you're going to be into and what you want to do, and you know it's all about just trying new things and you know keep doing what's working and abandon what's not working, and you know mm-hmm. don't be afraid to to acknowledge that like not everything's going to work all the time. Sometimes you got to make mistakes. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, we, I think we've made them all. Yeah. I don't know all. how many more we have left, but uh, <laughs> we'll keep trying Yeah, to make mistakes. You succeed through failing. That's right. We've, if you're not making mistakes, what are you even doing? We have you're a- You're not growing. You're not trying anything. Yeah. yeah. We have an expression that you win or you learn. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's it. It's either it works and it's great and you keep doing it or you learned a lesson and you change the course, you know? Mm-hmm. We really try to instill that with our kids, Atlas in particular, because mm-hmm. he's getting into like a competitive level of sports and stuff and go, man, you just win or you learn, you yeah. know, if you have a competition or something doesn't go well, you learn. What do you need to do different? Yeah. You take that back to your training, you know, you try to change, you win or you learn. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it's been a fun 14 years. Yeah. Here's many to, more in our future. More. I wonder how many more years it's going to be. Uh, okay. So I'm 38. So I plan to live to be like a, at least a hundred. <laughs> so like lots more. At Another, least a hundred. Wow. At least a hundred. So yeah. I would have to be 105 or <laughs> you're going to be widowed. <laughs> yeah. I can't do this without you. So you have to be right. 105 if I'm going to make it to a hundred. I don't think, I think uh, some of the decisions I've made in the past will... <laughs> You've, limit you've li- limited some of those end years maybe yeah. sacrificed a few of those for some of the fun years yeah really. it's funny because we've talked a little bit about age in the past where you know i'm almost 44 now and i remember like 
before I was 40, thinking 40 was super old. And now looking forward, I don't, I don't I've realized now that age is just a number. It is what you make of it. Yeah. But I remember in previous years thinking like, I don't know if I can still be a CrossFit coach when I'm 50. You know, that just seems like a weird thing to be doing at the age of 50. But then like along the years, we've made all these friends like Freddie Camacho, right? Yeah. Where he's like 55 or something. And yeah. he's like, he's a kid at yeah. heart, you know? He's just like, there's like, he can, he was Super coaching. Fit, cro- yeah, he yeah. was coaching CrossFit up until they moved. And um, I lots was like, of the oh. seminar staff, like the long-term yeah. people. And like a... If CrossFit isn't the fountain of youth, I don't know what is. Some For of sure. these people, you would look at them and you would never in a million years guess they're over 50. Yeah. You know, one of the OG seminar staff, Chuck Carswell, amazing guy, amazing coach, is over 50 now. Like, yeah. it totally changes your perspective on aging. It really like, does. You know, you get to 30 and you're like, when you're 19, you're like, oh God, 30 so old. And then you get there and you're like, no, it's not. And I then you're, the same. you're 30 and you're like, God, 40 so old. And then yeah. you get there and you're like, nah, not really. And then you get to 40 and you're like, Ah, 50 so old. Then you get closer to that. You're like, nope. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, definitely the real, a big realization I've had is, is age is just a number and it, it is what you make of it. But yeah. I was going to say, you know, 50, I'll probably still be a pretty good qualified coach, but I don't know at a hundred, a hundred, mm. I feel like we're pushing it. Well, we'll see. Mm. We'll try <laughs> world record oldest girls. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Well, looking forward to the next, uh, 60 years of 60 doing this. plus years. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. See you in the next one.